Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. I certainly appreciate everybody joining me this morning. I hope everybody is enjoying your weekend and enjoying this Sunday morning. This is the last day of April. Man, this year is flying by. Wasn't New Year's Day just a couple of days ago? (laughs) It just seems like this year is flying by faster than others. And what that does is remind me that I need to redeem this time redeem the time that I have available. In other words, make sure that I am living this life for Jesus Christ and making the most of it for him and telling others about him and making disciples, living that life of a great commission Christian. Life goes by so fast and we need to make sure we are living it for him. This morning, we are going to talk about a message that is titled, Don't Be Blinded. What am I talking about? Well, hold on and we'll find out. (laughs) I'll share it with you, but before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we love you so much. You are so awesome. You are worthy of all of our praise, honor, and glory. No one and nothing else is worthy of it. You and you alone are worthy. And Father, we come to you this morning with a thankful heart, thanking you for another day. Father, may we love, serve, and obey you well today and bring you glory. For God, we know you created us to bring you glory, and may we do that. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, and we have that awesome opportunity to open up your word, to read it, to study it, to see what you are saying to us, to see how you want us to live this life. And we thank you, God, that you want to give us the best life. God, it's an incredible life. It doesn't mean it's always easy. But, Lord, it's an incredible life knowing that you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And, Father, we get to live this life with you and then all of eternity. Father, I pray for those who don't have that hope because they've never given their lives to you, Jesus. I pray that's going to change today. I pray that today will be their day of salvation and surrender their lives to you and start experiencing real life, start experiencing the greatest love ever. And Lord, know that when their time on earth is done, they'll go be with you in in heaven. So Father, I ask you to just bless this time. Holy Spirit, I ask you to teach us, to guide us, direct us into all your truths. And may we put it to action in our lives. Be doers of your word, not a hearer only. Thank you, Father. We love you, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. The gospel message is pretty simple to understand. Sometimes people try to make it so complex, but it's really not. It's actually pretty simple to explain and to understand. We can see that in John chapter 3, verse 16, which pretty much sums up the gospel in one verse. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul explains the gospel of Jesus Christ in a simple way as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So that's actually a pretty simple message, isn't it? We preach, we teach that Jesus Christ was born, that he lived a sinless life. He came for us. He died on the cross for our sins, took the punishment that we deserved. And on the third day, God raised him back to life from the dead. And everyone who believes in him will be saved. It's not too complex, not too hard to understand. We put our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We follow him. 
And it's a pretty simple message. So why is it that so many people ignore the gospel or flat out refuse to believe and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ? Today, we're going to dig into that question and answer it through Scripture. And my prayer is that those who are listening who are not followers of Jesus will become followers today. And I pray that those who are listening who are believers will share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And don't get discouraged even when people reject it. We still got to keep proclaiming God's good news. That's what gospel means, good news. We must continue to plant and water seeds of the gospel in the hearts of people. We must be great commission Christians. Jesus commands us to be great commission Christians. And we should want to be obedient to our Lord and Savior, not because we have to, but because of our immense love for him. So as I mentioned, it's a simple message, but yet so many people either choose to ignore it or choose to just flat out not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let's look at those people who do reject the gospel. And if you're one of those people, I encourage you, please keep listening. Please keep listening to this message. Our key scripture for today is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And let's read that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Paul states here, that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. I'm set a little bit of background here for you to better understand why Paul is writing this letter. And he founded the church in Corinth, and so he is writing them this letter around A.D. 55, 56. It was a year or so after writing 1 Corinthians, and a year before he wrote the letter to Romans uh, from Corinth. And it's actually the fourth letter Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Uh, we just don't have the other two letters. But we have these two letters that's called 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And at this time, false prophets and teachers had infiltrated the church in Corinth. And they're calling into question Paul's motives. He's organizing a collection for the believers in Judea who were suffering greatly. And so the false prophets and teachers are calling that into question. And they're also calling into question about Paul's personal courage, which I find just ridiculous. Uh, Why would anybody call into question his courage, knowing everything he's gone through? But they had argued that he suffered too much to be a spirit-filled apostle of the risen Christ. I guess maybe that was the first prosperity message group heading out there, but I won't go there. But they said he was suffering too much. Apparently, they didn't understand the words of Jesus at that time when Jesus says, we will, we will suffer for the gospel. And they were saying because of all of that and because Paul wasn't an eloquent, magnificent, charismatic preacher of the gospel, that people weren't responding to the message of the gospel. In our key scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is saying, look, it's not the gospel message that's unclear, nor is it his teaching as for reasons why people don't believe. Apparently, they had 
folks back in those days thinking like they do today that a preacher of the word has to be this very charismatic type of a guy. And God certainly uses those types of people, but he also uses those who are as dull as a butter knife, right? (laughs) There's been some wonderful moves of God that he used people who were not very charismatic. And when I talk about charismatic, I'm not talking about the the non-denominational church that's that's referred to as charismatic. I'm talking about somebody who is very gifted in their speaking. They're very outgoing, excitable, and just they come through with a lot of passion. But God, he uses people who don't have those skills as well. And Paul is defending the gospel and defending himself in this letter. And he's making it clear that, look, the reason why people aren't coming to Christ has nothing to do with the the gospel message. The gospel message is certainly clear and explains it. And as I mentioned earlier, it's just as simple to understand. Albert Barnes, who was a theologian in the 1800s, said this, It is not because God had purposely concealed this meaning. It was not from any lack of clearness in itself. This is not the fault of the gospel. It is not the fault of the sun when people shut their eyes and will not see it. It is not the fault of a running stream or a bubbling fountain if people will not drink of it but rather choose to die of thirst. The gospel does not obscure and conceal its own glory any more than the sun does. It is in itself a clear and full revelation of God and his grace, and that glory is adapted to shed light upon the benighted minds of people. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. So there's some key words there we need to look at. The word veiled in the Greek means hid. So the gospel is being hid from those who are perishing. Let's look at that word perishing in the Greek means to corrupt, decay, utterly destroy, to rot thoroughly, to ruin. So it's being hid from those who are perishing. Those who are perishing are those who are on their way to hell because they have not believed in Jesus Christ. Therefore, their lives are perishing. Remember in John chapter 3, verse 16, we read that those who believe will not perish. Well, these who are blinded to the gospel are perishing spiritually. All of our bodies, we're going to die one day. Our bodies are going to give out and we're going to die. But spiritually, We don't have to perish if we come to Jesus and believe in him. And that's what's happening here is those who are perishing have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, in the Messiah. 2 Corinthians 3 verses 14 through 17 says, But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So Paul is saying, he's talking about the Jews, that the veil is still over their eyes because they have not come to faith in Jesus Christ. And when they read Moses, they're not getting that revelation of Jesus Christ as Messiah, as Lord of all, Savior of mankind, the one and only Son of God. So Paul writes here that minds are hardened, And he uses the same description of their minds being veiled, and they can't see the truth. Therefore, they can't comprehend it. The veil remains over people's hearts. And those who are perishing remain on the road to hell as long as they do not turn to Jesus Christ. And it's heartbreaking when someone you've been witnessing to for a long time and they still don't believe and they continue to reject the gospel. And that's one thing I always like to encourage believers that when you share the gospel with others, 
and they reject it. Too many times people take that personally and say, well, they rejected me. No, they're rejecting somebody much greater than me. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting his gospel, his good news. But we can't give up. We must not give up. we got to understand what's going on. Satan has blinded them. We must not give up. Keep praying. Keep asking God to draw them to himself and ask the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of their hearts so they can see the truth of the gospel, to convict them of their sins, and to convict them of their need for Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 7, keep asking. So let's keep asking God for their salvation. Let's don't give up. We need to keep sharing the gospel with them through word and through deed, and we got to keep loving them with the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, the love of Christ will break through any barrier. We just got to keep, keep loving people with his love. So who has blinded those who are perishing? And I actually just mentioned that and gave it away to you. (laughs) Who is blinding the people who are perishing? Well, obviously the culprit is Satan. And look, Satan is real. And his goal is to drag as many humans, as many men, women, boys, and girls to hell with him as he possibly can. Because look, he knows we are God's prized creation. Nothing else in all of creation was created in the image of God. And Satan is jealous of that. Satan hates God, and he obviously wants to destroy God's prized creation. And so what better way to get back to God than to do that? And so he has blinded people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Satan rebelled against God and was therefore kicked out of heaven, along with the fallen angels who followed after him. Those fallen angels we now call demons. So there is a real enemy out there. People like to kind of try to ignore that, but don't. Don't ignore that because it's true. It's a fact. And as we read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. There's a real enemy. We're not battling against that person or against those persons. We're battling against Satan and his demons. And we've got the greatest power within us if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. We have God in us. The Holy Spirit of God is in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that cast Satan out of heaven, is living in us. And so we need to know that. We need to understand that. And we need to live our lives knowing that. And as we pray for people, pray against the enemy from blinding them and pray for God's word to be revealed to them as never before. Pastor and author John MacArthur says this, Satan blinds people to God's truth through the world system he has created. Without a godly influence, man left to himself will follow that system, which panders to the depravity of unbelievers and deepens their moral darkness. Wow, we see that every day, don't we? Every day on the news, there is some kind of crime that's been committed. We've seen a lot of shootings, people murdering other people and just other ungodly things being done by one person to another. And that's the proof that sin is in the world. We see the depravity of people every day. That's life without Jesus Christ. And that's what life turns into. And that's what life becomes for eternity is a total separation from God. Let's look at how Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18 to describe people in the world without Christ. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become useless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. 
They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Without Jesus, men and women are capable of the darkest of sins. We need Jesus. We need Jesus in our lives, and we need to tell more people about Jesus so they can have an opportunity to receive him into their lives and to discover that peace that passes all understanding. The Jewish New Testament says this about verse 3 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Satan has blinded their minds with the veil. Why? In order to prevent them from seeing the light shining from the good news about the glory of the Messiah. As the perennial accuser and opposer of God's plans, Satan's desire is that people be lost, just as it is God's desire that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. There is a myriad of barriers that Satan has put between unbelievers and God. Some would include pride, rebellion, selfishness, money, and just hundreds of more. It all hinders unbelievers from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The simple fact is Satan does not want men and women to be saved. That's what it all boils down to. He wants to drag every person he can to hell with him had somebody asked the other day, so hell is where people will stay forever who don't know Jesus. And I said, no. And they kind of looked at me funny. I said, no, that's just a temporary place after they die. Then hell gets dumped into the lake of fire. Something that's even worse than hell is being dumped into the lake of fire on judgment day. And trust me, my friend, that's not a place you want to go or you want to see anybody else go. That's why I'm on the air every week. That's why we do what we do at Love and Action. That's why Martha and I live a life that we pray will show people everywhere we go Jesus and tell people about Jesus because we're concerned about where you're going to spend eternity. And we want to see you live this life here on earth for Jesus and be with Jesus forever. Be in heaven with him forever and ever. It's just too important not to live life that way. The IVP New Testament commentary says this. It explains why people don't believe the gospel. First, the audience is at fault. If there is a hidden aspect to what Paul preaches, it only appears so to those who are perishing. As in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Paul divides humanity into two groups based on their destiny. Those who are on the road to destruction and, by implication, those who are on the road to salvation. To the one, the gospel makes no sense, while to the other, it's as plain as day. Fault lies second with the situation. The minds of those who are perishing have been blinded to the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Christ is further described as the image of God. To be an image is to be a true representation. We say today that a child is the spitting image of his father or mother. Paul states that Christ is, not was, God's image, for he alone brings to visible expression the nature of an invisible God. So to see Christ is to see God, and not to see Christ is not to see God. The fault lies third with the source of the blindness, Satan. When people are blinded by Satan to the truths of God, we must pray. 
and ask God to do what Jesus told Paul in Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Now, this was Paul's experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. This is when Paul stopped persecuting Christians and became a Christian. He became a follower of Christ. Jesus told Paul that he was sending him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, and that he was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So that's Jesus talking to Paul. We need to pray for the lost. We need to pray for them that way and pray that Jesus will work through us to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. We need to pray the word. That's a powerful way to pray, just like that verse right there. We can pray that verse and ask God to help us to do that. I would like to encourage you to listen to another podcast. It's by David Platt, and it's called Pray the Word. And it's, it's just every day, Pastor David is praying scripture, and he talks a little bit about it. It's, it's only about a four or five minute on average daily podcast, but it's so powerful. And it helps you understand and teaches you how to pray the word of God. You know, we can open up the word and pray it. It's just so powerful to do that. After talking about all of this today, about how the gospel is veiled, is hid from unbelievers, from those who are perishing, and we understand who's doing that, and that's Satan. So the next question would be, can those who are blinded and perishing be saved? And the answer is a resounding yes. As long as there is life, there's breath in their bodies, they can be saved. How do I know that? Well, I've seen it happen many times, but I've seen it happen to myself. <laughs> My eyes were once veiled by Satan. He blinded me to the truth of the gospel. He didn't mind that I was playing church and I could go in or be around people and I could say the right things, do the right things, act the right way, quote some scripture. But the simple fact was I hadn't truly been living my life and wasn't truly living my life like Jesus was my Lord. I wanted the benefits of being a Christian, but I wanted to live life my way. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are in that situation now. You want the benefits, but you're just not ready to let go of some things in your life because you know it's not right. But let me encourage you, the sooner you let them go and grab onto Jesus, the better it is. I wish I would have done that a lot sooner than I did, but praise be to God that I did. I did make that decision, but it was it was all Jesus, his Holy Spirit working in me and Jesus saving me. I remember a good friend of mine, Andy Bryan, he always said, if you are 99% sure you're saved, then you are 100% lost. And that always stuck with me and I always thought about that. And then one night in March of 1989, I became 100% sure. And it wasn't the prayer that I prayed that night. And I was in my Chevrolet Chevette, by the way, when I committed my life to Jesus. So see, you don't have to be in a church. Now it's great to be in a church. But when you give your life to Jesus, you can do it right now in your car. You can do it right now in your house, wherever you're at. You may be listening to this in prison. You can commit your life to Jesus right there. Wherever you're at, Jesus is there, and he's waiting with open arms. And that night, I became 100% sure. And over time, I began to surrender my will to God. I, wanted, I started wanting God's will to be done in my life instead of my own will. And that's a process of sanctification where we start becoming more and more like Jesus. And we keep 
transforming. God keeps transforming our lives as we strive to be more like Jesus. And I'm not perfect. I know a lot of people out there who know me are saying amen to that, Ken. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, is I'm striving for that perfection. I want to be like my Jesus. And the more that the Holy Spirit convicts me of when I do sin, that I repent, 1 John 1, 9, I repent of my sins and ask God to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. And he does because his word says so and God cannot lie. And he forgives me and cleanses me. And then I pray, Lord, help me not to do that again or whatever the sin is or was and to, to keep moving on. And so it's, it's a continual process of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. And that night I, I understood and started living what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Luke 9, 23 through 26. And he said, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my, of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. God wants to save us through his Son, Jesus Christ. And I know I'm not the same person I used to be. And those who knew me then and know me now can testify the same thing. It wasn't like I was this crazy, messed up person. I I was doing stuff that, that wasn't right, but I was living my way. I wanted to live my life. But when I gave my life to Jesus that night, things changed. And over the course of time, I started wanting his will, not my will. And through sanctification, Jesus is making me more like him. And that's the goal, to be like Jesus. God did that, and he is doing that, that sanctification for me. And you know what? He'll do the same for you. God loves you just as much as he loves me. Peter says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, that God shows no partiality. So that means that what he does for one, he'll do for others. I encourage you. If you are not a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, understand this truth. Satan has blinded you. Don't let him win. Don't let him drag you to hell with him and then to the lake of fire. Take that veil off in the name of Jesus Christ and surrender your life to Jesus today. How? Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. He tells us in Scripture to repent. That means to turn from our sinful ways and turn to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you and to help you to live for him. We read in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So confess Jesus as your Lord and believe God raised him from the dead on the third day. Then start following him. Well, how do I do that, Ken? Start studying the Bible, beginning in the Gospel of John and then the Gospel of Luke, and then go to Acts and read the rest of the New Testament and then come back to Matthew and Mark. Tell a true follower of Jesus about your decision today, and I encourage you to be baptized. Why? Because that's obedience. Jesus tells us to. Now, baptism doesn't save you. Your decision to put your your trust in Jesus Christ The work that Jesus did on that cross, pay the price for your sins. 
that's what saves you. But baptism is a step of obedience to Jesus and symbolic of dying to our sins and coming back to new life, being raised back to new life with Jesus. So I encourage you to do that, and then I encourage you to find a house of worship where they are making disciples, and that means teaching you how to live for Jesus. And we have the Eleven Action School of Discipleship here, and we teach people how to live for Jesus. There's some great studies, and I would invite you to join us to check that out. Uh, you can go to our website, go to loveinactionministries.com, and you can find our School of Discipleship there. Check it out, and if you have questions about that or about salvation, about anything, please feel free to call. You can call our office at 334-494-4995, 334-494-4995, or you can email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com, ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. If you make that decision to give your life to Jesus today, I'd love to send you some some information on some next steps that you can take to start living this life for Jesus and experience the love, the, the fullness of joy that only comes from Jesus Christ. Those who are believers, share Jesus with others through word, through deed. Show people to Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about what he's doing and has done in your life. That's a testimony, and God uses testimonies in powerful ways. So I encourage you to do that. Let's be Great Commission Christians and go tell people about Jesus and make disciples. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today here on Sunday Morning with Love and Action. And again, I, I just pray, don't be blinded. Open up your eyes to Jesus. Open up your heart to Jesus and let him come in. Let him save you. I pray you do that today. Well, thank you for joining me today on Sunday Morning with Love and Action I pray you have a great rest of the day. I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.